welcome to this week's episode of Truly Twinning. We're so excited to be here and we have a special guest this week who I will let Kat introduce. Yes, so I connected with Maria. We are both in the Entrepreneurista League, which is a community of female entrepreneurs that really collaborate, help one another with all things business and how to start a business and grow a business for those who are self-employed. So from marketing, advertising, technology, any advice that you need, this community is really there to support you. And Maria has a really incredible business that I'll let her dive into, but that's how we connected and we have a lot in common with travel. So Maria, why don't you introduce yourself and take it away? Oh, thank you so much, Kat and Sam. I love what you ladies are doing. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I am Maria Inden Bosch, the CEO and founder of Humanity Wine Co. and Humanity Del Sol. Uh, in a nutshell, our wine company is a social enterprise. So imagine wine subscriptions, wine delivered to your home, and then B2B uh, corporate gifting, uh, corporate events, food and wine pairings, virtual wine tastings. And the best part is 50% of our profits are donated to the charity portion, which we work with aging out orphans. And so from 18 to about 25 years old, we do everything from mentorship, therapy, transition homes, uh, internships, job training, and then job placement. So we completely break the cycles of poverty, abuse, abandonment, and sex slavery. And we do this through the funding of the wine company. Awesome. Well, congratulations. That's just such a cool message and the world needs more people like Maria. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Thank you. That's sweet. I appreciate it. Lots of hard work, but absolutely rewarding. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I can dive in with a couple questions, kick off the Q and a. Um, so first we wanted you to share with our listeners, um, what advice you would have for other entrepreneurs, whether they're, you know, just have an idea and they haven't acted on it yet, or someone who's maybe been an entrepreneur for a few years, who's feeling stuck. Yeah. I think that at every stage of my career and every stage of solopreneur to homepreneur to now entrepreneur with the team under me, I think at every stage, there's a different advice I would give. Um, after doing, after being in my role for over a decade, I now feel I can give advice. Um, and it's, it, it's probably counterintuitive to what everyone else will tell you. Um, but I say, slow down to speed up. Um, it's a concept that my, I have an executive coach that she had to drill into my head um, because as an entrepreneur, you go a million miles a minute and you do everything and everything matters. And yet it doesn't, everything does not matter equally. And we need to discern what does matter and what's the one thing that we can move forward in and how do we slow down to be great leaders and great examples so that we can really speed up the process, whether it's our sales team whether it's uh, creating automations, you know, slowing down and allowing ourselves to slow down enough to do the things right, do it well, and then move forward and keep moving on. And that, uh, yeah, that principle slowing down to speed up has really been an active motto in my life. I'd say in the last 24, 18, 18 to 24 months. Yeah. So slow down to speed up. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sam, we see that a lot too because we're onboarding 
consultants who are 1099 contractors who are starting their own travel companies. And what we see and that what we constantly remind ourselves of is don't focus on a hundred things. It's quality over quantity. So when you're putting together a business plan, have your business plan be like three to five tasks that you know you can commit to every single week. And how are you going to schedule those tasks out so that you can actually execute on what you're trying to do? Because to your point, when you're trying to move so, so fast and there's a hundred things you want to do, which is so common for entrepreneurs, because we're thinking of all these ideas and that's where Sam reels me in for sure, because we're such Mm -hmm. opposites, but you really do have to slow it down and be like, okay, wait, I do have bills to pay. So how can I actually put these ideas into reality and have them even just make sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I commend you ladies for doing it because not many, (laughs) it's a discipline. It's an everyday renewing of your mind to that concept. Um, It was uh, Keller. I have the book here. Yeah, it's a Keller book. Uh, The one thing I highly recommend that to entrepreneurs. Oh, very It's a game changer. Um, and then have you always been self-employed? Um, great question. I, oh gosh, I started my first business when I was 21 Wow! and yeah, I, I've worked since I was 12. So 21 was like, oh, I've worked so many years already, you know, (laughs) it's one of those things, you know? Yeah. I started my first business. I think I was 21. Yeah, I think so. I'm really bad with years and dates. I'm just very bad with that. But um, I think I was about 21. And then I always though had a backup. Like I always worked two, three jobs. Like I always had the backup, right? Uh, I actually went to school. This is a funny story. I went to school to be a, a teacher so that I could have summers off so I could have my business. Uh, it was the weirdest. So funny. Thing such a backward mentality, but it was to have that like cushion because I'm a saver by nature. And so I wanted that cushion. And then I, you know, and then I was like, wait a second, what am I doing? I should just go into business. And so, um, yeah, I have always worked for myself or have been a contractor, um, with, you know, commission only. And so that was great, but I always worked, uh, like for instance, when I turned 28, which again, I'm 30, about to be 36. So, um, when I turned 28 is I stopped bartending officially. So I always bartended. I always worked in some sort of hospitality capacity, then another job and then our, my work. So I, I would be considered a workaholic. (laughs) (laughs) Not today. I've learned the hard way, unfortunately, which is hence the slow down to speed up thing. Um, I've always worked for myself, but I always worked multiple jobs. That makes sense. And did so I guess like at what point like you said you've been working since you were 12 like did you always know that being an employee or working for someone else wasn't going to be for you or like what was that light bulb moment yeah um I think the light bulb it didn't occur to me that I was actually an entrepreneur until I was being interviewed by Fox News and they said that the the whole premise of the story was she couldn't find a job that she wanted. So she created her own. And I was like, huh, I did that. You know, I kind of, I was this most, the most shocking moment when I watched the, the news, you know, real of it. I I was like, 
I guess I, I guess wow. I, did. I did do that. I didn't ever, um, say I'm going to go be a businesswoman or I'm going to go be an entrepreneur. Like that's not a thing. I just was, I just didn't see what I needed in the marketplace and I went and created it. And, uh, I think that's pretty indicative of where we are today with the wine company, uh, with the social enterprise and, and how we need to change charities. And I didn't see it. I'm not seeing it in the marketplace. And so I said, let's do it. Let's create it. Right. So employee never looked good on me, but I was an excellent employee because I was always a business owner mentality. Yeah. Like when I was a bartender, that was my bar. Right. You know, when I worked for the travel agency, that was my travel agency. You treated it like that. Yeah. That's right. well, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, okay. And then my last question for you is what routines and activities do you like have to keep in place that you feel like makes your business, business successful, or maybe were there things you did before that you changed for that reason? Yeah, that's a, a wonderful question. Um, one thing I do uh, every six months is I take a spiritual retreat and I go away with God three, four days, every, every time, uh, twice, twice a year, at the same time. And I completely reset and I look at my goals. I pray through everything and I just get quiet. (laughs) Um, and it's fantastic. That is something I would recommend for everyone to do. And again, it goes back to that slow down, right. To speed up. And I come out of those days with so much more clarity on where we got to go, what needs to be cut out. And then I really refine and, uh, make everything more excellent than, um, than what I did before, right? So that's one thing for sure. Um, the other thing I do is something from, uh, it's more Franklin Covey uh, project management kind of prioritizing systems that I took, um, that I adapted from the Franklin Covey system mm-hmm. is really being able to look at my one thing and okay, if my one thing is $500,000 by December, you know, in Q4, right? Wow. So if we have, if that's my one thing, all right, what am I doing in this quarter, in this month, in this week, in this day to reach that goal? And I reverse engineer. Um, I do that daily. I literally look at my calendar at night. I make sure that my priorities, if I didn't uh, achieve my priority for the day, I make sure that's my first priority the next day. And I always time block. So my prospecting, I will always have time block. No one, no meetings. I no interruptions, no cell phones during my prospecting hour. I always time block and always um, prioritize my strategy. Like my strategy gets, gets put in place based on my big goal, my one thing, you know? So yeah, those are, those are the things I do on a regular basis. Okay. And yeah. just another question that I just thought of off of that is, do you have like daily rituals or like habits or anything that you do that you feel like set your day for success? Yes. Uh, quiet time and prayer time in the morning. Uh, and then it's something really funny. I, I'm, I do holistic medicine. And so I I get all my pills ready. I get everything ready. I get all my food ready. I get my protein shake. I literally fill my water. I then get my green tea, like it and my snacks for the day. Everything's up here on my office and I don't leave. And that's a big deal. Like that's something I do every morning is make sure I have my meals set Mm-hmm. And I have my snacks because the way we, we use our brains as entrepreneurs, um, we use them a lot and we have to feed it. Otherwise we get foggy brain. We don't make good decisions. And so we only have a certain amount of decision cap- capabilities each day. So I remove the thought of my food, 
of my snacks and I just prepare that ahead. So I know, okay, that day I have more decision-making capabilities and I'm just smarter. I feel smarter when I do that, you know, like take the clutter out of like, you know, day to day. That's right. That's right. And my closet's also very small, uh, not in size. We have, I have a beautiful closet, but I have very limited wardrobe and I keep it. I know this sounds like really kind of Mark Zuckerberg and like creepy, but I, I do, I pretty much have a uniform. I know it's going to be black and buy lots of silks, buy silk and you could wear it in the winter, you wear it in the summer and just really neutral. I don't go crazy and I don't like overthink what I'm going to wear for the day because that it, it bites into your capacity to think later on at night in the evening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sharing. Yeah, absolutely. You're giving, you're giving me ideas because I you have not. So much <laughs> you're the opposite cat. Your I, closet. I know. Oh my god. I <laughs> have my closet that's meant to be like a pantry slash where you put your cleaning supplies, but it's filled with blazers, coats, <laughs> and like seasonal wear. But what you're saying about like having enough brain capacity like I can so relate to that because you know when you're growing a business or you already have like grown an incredible business for Habitats by Cat we're in a growth phase something will always surprise you at some point throughout the day whether it's like a payroll problem or our CRM is going through an update and I can't log in or someone's having an issue with a hotel that I need to step in and handle it right away. Um, all these things can come up that you're not prepared for and they can drive you crazy. Like I had an issue with payroll that kept me on the phone with support for like over two hours. Cause that was for someone to help me and no one else is going to do this, but me. Right. I could call Sam, but Sam's in the middle of putting out other fires, you know, so, like you have to do it. And that's so, so true. Like, don't waste your time figuring out what you're going to have for lunch, figure it out when you first wake up and then your day is going to be that much more set. Yeah, I, I did. It's, it's a, it's an incredible routine. You know, people use it for health purposes, which it actually is quite healthy. Yeah. I meal prep and uh, I don't meal prep the way like the gym people would do it. I meal prep. I write my meals out for the week and I love to cook fresh. My husband does as well. We have this awesome smoker, totally recommend it. And so I know what we're going to eat. We don't pre-cook it. We make sure it's fresh, but that's a big deal is just knowing like, we don't even have to look in the fridge. It's the same thing looking at your closet. What am I going to wear in the fridge? What am I going to eat? It takes up too much power. So those are the little things that are like, um, you know, they're little, what do you call them? Like, uh, like little tidbits that just change significantly your life right yeah. and do you so do you stay in your office for like do you set time frames that you're going to be up there to in order to like I don't know um help with your focus and then you allow yourself breaks or are you more fluid about it mm-hmm. um my husband would want me to be more fluid but I'm quite rigid okay. <laughs> I yeah I I like to be in I am an eight hour girl I will I do work a lot more than that, but eight hours is where I like, is that eight hour mark? Cause my brain can't even compute anything oh. very much further than that. Um, so I get to work right on time. I will be fluid. If there's things that come up with my family, my family is always number one. Um, but otherwise it's pretty, pretty regimented. And I I've been remote 
for almost a decade. So meeting like this is, is very normal and natural for me. Um, and I like the non-commute time wasted. So it's very efficient and effective. I stay here. I will go for my walks in the evening. I do my workouts. They're set. Everything's pretty like time blocked. Um, and it helps. It helps me. It might not help like for my husband. He's a very fluid relational guy. I'm the complete, I'm very systematic. Right. No, I mean, I, before I, became an entrepreneur and left a full-time job. I was working remotely for five years and it was like, I, but I was working the same hours and similar routine. I just wasn't leaving the house. Like in New York, I used to take the subway or walk. So that was like downtime. Um, so I had like a routine and it was rigid from the standpoint that like I had to be online at X time. I was signing off most days around, you know, this time. And so I was like always working out in the morning and blah, blah, blah. And now that I left that job and now I'm creating my own schedule or my own habits I'm still trying to figure out like nine months in like you know I should get up and set an alarm and do the workout in the morning because things come up randomly throughout the day that will take away from like me saying I was going to work out at three yeah absolutely that's that's exactly it is is your priority needs to be set first because if you're not well the company won't be well Right. And I learned that the hard way. So I try to really instill that, please do not let, because the work will always be there, Sure, but you might not. And so there's really that if you, I think putting that in first place, okay, I'm going to work out. I'm going to, you know, some people like to work out at night, but they always put it in and there's no meetings. There's no anything that comes up that will interrupt their me time, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, and it's finding what works for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll get it. <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> yes. All right, Kat, you want to ask a few last questions? Yeah. And I also just want to ask one question that we talked about a little bit already, but okay. So you started working at the age of 12 and you've always had more than one job. Maybe as you were growing your business, now you're probably solely focused on your, on your wine company, but can you just talk about like, you're a hustler, like this is like, you are the definition of a hustler, someone who has a goal, but in order to achieve that goal, you have to have these side hustles to ultimately pay your bills and pay your lifestyle to achieve this business that you're looking to grow. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people struggle with that. Like they have this idea, but they're stuck in their job and they can't get out of it. And they think about a side hustle, but it's like, how am I going to do that and still have a life? Can you just talk about maybe perhaps like the sacrifice or like the hustle you put in, but then the reward that you're now seeing? Because I think so many people can relate to that. And we even have a package. It's the side hustler package. And the intent is to help someone, you know, don't leave your full-time job if you don't have enough money saved or if that's too stressful for you right but you gotta have the side hustle and that's when people are like whoa that's kind of scary yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely it's it's a mindset you know I um I never even thought about it I I just did it like I and again it goes back to I I was just uh you know I I knew again, remember my urgency is very different than maybe someone who wants to just make a certain amount of money. My urgency is to take 
generation of orphans and change their lives forever. So my bottom line, as important as it is, it's not as important as my urgency to get these kids off the street and away from sex trafficking. So I think that in and of itself to have your why statement in the forefront of, of what you're doing is going to be so important because that's going to change your mindset. Like, you know what, I'm going to go work Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, be a waitress, make money or whatever it is, you know, or go be yeah. a customer service, but whatever the, the second or third job is going to be, you go get that job because your why is more important than watching a movie or going on Instagram or going to hang out with your friends. When you put that why statement and you look, or even, you know, what are people going to say when you die? Like, if you can go as far back as that, like, wow, you know, she was awesome to hang out with, or my goodness, that person went and did everything possible to change the the trajectory of her children's lives, right? Like, it's a very different mentality. And I think it's really about mindset. Like, is it really about the money? Is that your why? And it can be. And if that's your why, it'll be strong enough. You'll do it just for that. But really figuring out, and I hate how corny and cliche it sounds about figuring out your why and, you know, Simon Sinek and go find your why. Um, but it's true. I, and I didn't know how hard I was working until someone looked at me and was like, do you need to rest? And I was like, oh my gosh, it's been seven years without a day off. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think I need to rest. Like you don't think about it. And unfortunately I got very sick. And when I got very sick is when I realized this is not it. This is not what I was called to. And I don't think any entrepreneur is called to it, but there is a season in life where you do need to do two, three jobs to make it work. And I I think it's putting a timeline and saying, okay, after a year or I save 10 K or I save 20 K I'm cutting out and I'm going to do this full time. And I think that when you have that mindset, plus the parameters in place to keep yourself healthy, I think you can do it. The sky's the limit. I just wasn't in a healthy place. So I did it for years and years and years. And I, I, it was not fun to go through five months of being bedridden. It was not fun, but it woke me up. It woke me up. Yeah. I think having the timeline would be key because it's like when I started to think about doing it, you know, I needed to talk to my husband and figure out like, how were we going to financially do it? Cause we own a house and we don't have kids yet, but you know, trying to figure some of the logistics out. And then I never really put a time to it or I kept saying to myself, I'll get my, you know, I'll pass the real estate test and I'll start doing that part time, but I'll keep my job. And then as it just became more, it seemed to not be that feasible or the two were already stressful and I wasn't even really working in real estate yet. I was just studying to pass the exam. And I remember he just said one day, like, why don't you just set a date to leave? And like, we have enough saved already. So like, yeah, we won't have bonus money saved, but just like cut ties. That's it. You, you, and and also there comes that risk factor, right? Right. You, you need to assess your risk and really mitigate, like you're managing risk is what you're doing. I did things a little crazy and I, I just went all in. I, I went all in. Every dollar I made went right into the organization. Everything I, I, I fully funded the organization on my own for six years before I took any money in. And so I think that what your husband said, putting that date, like just cut ties, there, there has to be a moment where there's never going to be enough money. You're never going to be smart enough. You're never going to have it perfect enough. So just do it. Good enough is good enough. And so you just got to go for it. And, I, and, and that's where the entrepreneur comes in versus the worker. The right. worker will 
well, everything has to be perfect and every, right. And where the entrepreneur will say, all right, we're cutting it down and we're going to go for it. Now we're going full swing, full speed ahead, but it's also calculated. You had money saved. You had your real estate gig going for, you know? So I think that um, it's, it's this kind of balancing act of having both. Uh, I wouldn't recommend anyone do what I did, but um, (laughs) it is, you, you do need to have a cutoff date and and say, right. yeah, like, let me save this amount because really to start a business nowadays, you don't really need much. You it wasn't know, you like that cost. It was more like the living expenses and like the right. lifestyle we already had that like, you can't just turn off at the light switch overnight. It took That's some exactly. like- Exactly, exactly. And good rule of thumb, right? So like, okay, let me have six months of my expenses yeah. saved up by my side hustle, yeah. right? Like six months plus, you know, some extra cash when the computer breaks or, you know what I mean? Something along those lines. So I always say the six month expense plus an extra grand per month. So an extra $6,000 in miscellaneous for a car damaged or whatever, but that six month is strictly for your expenses and for you to kill it at work. Like just kill it. Just go, go, go for it and sell, 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 sell. Yeah. About social, like, don't worry about all the other stuff, like sell, you know? Yeah. No. And I think that's so true. And I think at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur is like a Nate and it's either who you are or it's not. And there isn't a right or wrong answer to it, you know? And I think, I mean, how hard you work shows that even though you got sick and that is not good, being an entrepreneur is truly who you are as a human. And I think even like the best entrepreneurs out there would say the same thing. I remember I was on, I was on TikTok and Bethany Frankel is on TikTok and I follow her because I love her. And she was at a big seminar and she said, I'm just as much a mom as I am an entrepreneur. And that really stuck with me because it's like, wow, I, I get that. It, it makes a lot of sense when you've grown like an empire. Of course she is. It is. It's who she is. And she probably has worked every day for like how long, but she enjoys it. So what more could you ask for? Exactly. Exactly. So shifting gears just a little bit, we would love to hear about how travel plays a role in your business. Can you chat with us a little about that? Yeah. Travel's everything. I, um, I think my whole career since I was, I swear, since I was like 12 was all about travel. My first job, I was working at a carnival and we had to travel and I thought it was the coolest thing. Like I get to travel everywhere. It was only on Long Island. So it was, it was just, but it was the coolest thing. And so, um, travel has been everything for me. Uh, it changed my life when I was 17 years old, I picked up and left for four months in Central America. And then I did it again at 18 and then I never stopped. I just never stopped. And I said, I have to be able to give this experience to people. And so that, that if, if, looking back in my life, it's the thread of my life is travel. And so when I went to the orphanage 10 years ago, and I was asked to go to a winery for my cultural experience while I was there, I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And I went to the winery and it was 10 minutes away and it was this luxurious winery, beautiful. And I'm like, with my travel history, my travel background, I was like, we need to connect these two and make money. This is how we're going to make money. And so I started to create and cultivate all of the necessary contacts, hoteliers, chefs, tour operators, uh, van rentals. I mean, everything and anything you would need for tours and properly done properly. Um, Mm -hmm. 
and I started to create uh, luxury trips and culturally immersive trips. And what I found was people were receptive to it because I was giving them an insider look into something that a tourist would never see. So I gave them the reality, but also gave them the gorgeous aspects of culture. And so um, the the blending of what we spoke about before uh, is travel and um, vacationing. The combination of the two, traveling is very different than vacationing. Vacationing is so relaxing and so gorgeous and so beautiful and pampered where traveling can be really bumpy and stressful. And I combine the two to create the most, for me, um, rewarding experience and enriching experience. And so we started doing that as, to, as a way to supplement um, fundraising. So we would bring people down, 15% of the trip would go to our organization. And that was huge. And so we kept doing that and we grew through word of mouth, but I quickly realized it wasn't scalable because I was the host. And so I was doing everything and I was like, wait, this isn't a business. Like, I can't do this by myself. Yeah, and no. so, yeah, right. And so here we are with, we do luxury hunting trips, um, Red Stag in Argentina. Those are around $15,000 per person. Uh, we do luxury tours. They're around $7,500 per person. And then we do culturally immersive mission trips. Those are around $2,800 per person. And so we're the only all-inclusive trips in Argentina and in Sicily, but we stopped doing Sicily. I'm only focusing on Argentina now. And we're, that's why we're hopefully going to be working with you ladies to get it scaled, to be able to bring these trips to a more, um, to a larger audience, but also not have it me, you know, me be the host, but have our team down in Argentina doing all the, all the awesome work that we do. Yeah. Been a huge, huge indicator of of the type of donors we get. When someone goes to Argentina on our trip, they immediately become an active donor. So they start fundraising for us. They start doing events. They start putting trips together because they see what we're about firsthand. So it's been instrumental. The travel and tourism has been instrumental to what we do. Wow. That's very cool. So when you're bringing people to Argentina, they kind of get the passion that you had from the start with this whole mission that the company is all about. That's exactly it. They, they experience what I experienced. Right. And, and then some, right. And yeah. then some. so they it's like, like the fire and anyone to go and then like, see how you can help. Yeah. Help someone. Wow. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, exactly. And I learned from missionaries, missionaries. Um, I call it rethinking missions because I, I didn't agree with a lot of the stuff that missionaries have done in the past. Mm-hmm. And so we took what I thought could be worked on or could be done better. And we incorporated that into our mission trips. And now our mission trips are really um, at the heart of it about the place and not the missionaries, which is, it's a different kind of way of looking at it. It's just a really cool, cool, cool trips. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. It's so fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. We could just like keep talking for another hour, I feel like, but last but not least, and I feel like we've kind of talked about this, but I guess if we can narrow it down, what's one of the biggest lessons you've learned being a business owner? I guess that ties into the advice you'd give, but out of everything we've talked about, what is the biggest lesson that you've learned? Um, 
there's so many, but I think the one, the one that I I've been thinking about a lot lately is everyone at one point or another, there will be, and if you're lucky, you will have a few people who support you in and out through and through. Um, but I didn't have that. And so I had to believe with every thread, every ounce, every muscle, every tissue, every, everything in my body, I had to believe that we could do this. No one believed in me. I lost everything and I never stopped. I was like, nope, this is a thing. This is going to be a thing. And so never, ever give up on yourself. Never give up on your why. Um, That is the biggest lesson I've learned is that I am my biggest cheerleader. And I believe in my why. I believe in my purpose. And if you can, nothing can stop you. Nothing. Yeah. Wow. That was awesome. I think that's (laughs) perfect. Yeah, no, that's, but it's so true. I mean, you, you, you can't, if you really, really believe in something, there's a reason for it. And you just have to, when something fails, you shift and you go down a different road, but it doesn't mean you give up. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. And now, because I've believed in myself so much, I have investors who believe in me. We have donors who believe in me. We have a team yeah. who like, and that's where trust comes. If you, you need to trust you. You need to really develop you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we've had so much fun having you come on. Thanks for giving us all of this insight, advice, and getting to know you and your just amazing company and the mission it has. We'll Mm -hmm. be tagging Maria's business in the podcast episode. Make sure to check out her page. And Mm -hmm. if you have any questions, just let us know. But thank you so much, Maria. Thank you very much, ladies. This was wonderful. Yeah. I appreciate and I look forward to hearing from your listeners. Yay. Thank you. Bye. Thanks so much, ladies. Have a great one.